Welcome to the SIS Off the Charts Football Podcast. I am your host, Bryce Rossler, and I am joined by a very special guest today, my good friend and QB1 in all of our hearts, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing? Oh, I appreciate that. I, I see I see uh, Freya like in the background making a little appearance as well. Yeah, Freya is making a visual appearance. Hopefully she does not make a audio appearance. Uh, Audible yeah, I just see the tail right now, but no, I'm doing very, very well. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My favorite Lions fan. <laughs> Hopefully you, you don't know very many Lions fans. They've been kind of whiny. You're whiny? These, these past couple days, yeah. Let's use that as a jumping off point. Let's just get straight into it. We're going to talk about the conference championship games and sort of do our best to preview what the future holds for those teams going forward. So let's start with the Lions. Kind of a big collapse. I know... The discourse has been largely centered on fourth down decision making. Yeah, and exhausting. Yeah, it's yeah. it's exhausting. I don't think either of us really want to belabor the fourth down stuff too much, but yeah. I figured I would at least give you an opportunity to get on a soapbox for a second and and make your your stance on the matter official. Oh uh, yeah, by uh, going on record about it. I, I think first and foremost that it, it's their ethos as a team and and how they go about everything since day one, since Dan Campbell got there, since they were a team that was like happy to win three games. That's what they did. They did a lot of fake punts, a lot of fake. They were aggressive with onside stuff. They also were aggressive on fourth down since day one. Even last year, they were very aggressive on fourth down. I remember a game against the Patriots at New England. They went like 0 for 6 on fourth down, or like 0 for 5 or something. And like basically, because they went 0 for 5, cost them because they ended up being like kind of a tight game and all that. And they couldn't get anything going on offense. And this is what they do. So even before you get into you know the analytics, which is like a curse word for some people, part of it is just that this is their ethos. So even just philosophically, I agree with them going for it on those, on those, uh, those time periods. So I, I don't know. I, I think the discourse about it is true, just results-based thinking which is just so exhausting to get across because I also think there's a lot of us in the media and I, I see that that the messaging part of it is the part that uh, that there's more conversation about too. Like, how do you get it across to people? Some of me is thinking, if you don't want to believe it by now or you don't want to agree with it by now, you never will. So what's the point? <laughs> I'm trying to change my messaging for you to understand like why, yes, these incremental points, why going for it off or down this situation? Yes, it takes into situation. Yes, it takes into personnel, all these types of things. So I don't know. I've gotten frustrated that that was the takeaway from this game and not the missed opportunities from the Lions. The drop ball by Josh Reynolds, several. The missed curl route on fourth and short. The punt that should have been down at the one-yard line that dribbled into the end zone. I mean, the fumble where Jameer Gibbs goes the wrong way on a trap play. Like Those are the real missed opportunities, not going for it on fourth down. So I don't know. I, I feel like the discourse got well way askew when I woke up the next day than what I thought it was going to be about because I think those plays were much more important than those decisions that I actually still think were the correct decision. Yeah, I, I said this on the exemplus with our friend Charles McDonald yesterday, but the other thing about the whole analytics boogeyman is that people will say, oh, you're just blindly trusting the numbers. And there are a lot of situations in fourth down models that would tell you to go for it and people would be like, you're crazy. Like fourth and two from your own 36 up up seven in the second. And we don't see that because coaches aren't making those decisions a lot. So there's a lot of, it's not just results-based, like you said, but there's also selection bias in, in what we're yeah. seeing. And yeah. it's also just funny that going back to what you said about this being the ethos of the team, the Dan Campbell tree is not like the the nerd tree you want to bark up. Like this guy's like a six foot four, 
250-pound former NFL tight end. Like, he's not a nerd. No, no, he's not. Which is the funniest thing. It made more sense when people were making fun of Brandon Staley. And everyone's calling him like, oh, like kids, they can say that. But then there's Dan Campbell, who was known as, everyone typecasted as a meathead when he first got hired. And then yeah. now his two advanced fourth down decisions is the stuff he's getting criticized for. It's like, pick a battle, pick a lane. <laughs> pick a lane that you want to get after Campbell about. So let's get into what actually happened outside of the fourth downs. I think you might feel differently, but I think the story of the second half was... Missed opportunities on offense. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this was just was just missed assignments, so to speak. Like in the run game, the run game slowed to a crawl. In the second half, they they do a lot of like the moving parts runs, the outside runs. I think a lot of their skill guys missed some crucial blocks mm-hmm. in in the second half that they weren't that they were making in the first half. I think Jared Goff got moved off his spot. He made some throws with heavy placement. You had drops like the. There was like the miscommunication between him and Laporta on like that drive concept on the yeah. backside yeah. on the dig and and Laporta kind of settled up and Goff wanted him to keep going, I guess, and it resulted in a drop. You have JMO stopping his route on the fleet flicker. Yep. I mean, there's just there's a lot of like ten of them. It's like yeah. on two drives. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh it, it was it was a whole bunch. It was and then the wide's defense. I thought played, of course, commendable for the first half. Like the fact that they were like keeping them that to not scoring 30 right away is enough. The Lions defense played way above their weight, punched way above their weight. It was all about just keeping the game script to Lions favored so they can't keep running the ball. They have to drop back, yada, yada. But they did all they could. That fumble by Gibbs, you know, the miscommunication on the handoff there, it was like leaves the Fortnite with a short field. So then it goes boom, boom, boom. And if they just get any semblance of a drive and have, you know, even if they get the midfield and punt or the 40 and punt, it changes the whole script. And it's just like, that's what it is. It's just those mistakes compounded. And so I like not even mad about the defense for letting up points. Cause it's like, what horses do they have? And like they did all they could. Like, yeah. That's supernova offense. The defense definitely overperformed a bit this year. I'd like to ask you about what you thought they did schematically in the second half on defense, because they already had a lot of those scrambles yeah. that punished them. And, and the Lions were doing a lot of five-man pressure, fire zone stuff. They did a couple plus one cover one pressures. Yeah, yeah. And they got punished for it. They didn't get home on some of this stuff, but then Purdy gets out of the pocket and he's not, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson, who we'll talk about later in this episode, but against like Alex Anzalone and Jack Campbell and in space is like the lone hook defender, you have a bit of a problem. And so they didn't get very good pass rush. Did you like the approach of bringing a bit more pressure in the second half? And maybe I'm the one that's being like results-based and saying like, oh, because it didn't work out, it's not good. Or, or would you have preferred four-man rush more against Purdy and let the work for it, make him work for it? Yeah, I, I think maybe... This is the classic, like, and then you if you stop blitzing and go, why did you play conservative when you don't have the lead? Right. I, I and even going into that game, it's even though if they don't have the horses and there are mistakes sometimes, I the one thing I will commend Aaron Glenn for doing is that he'll mix it up. Like he'll run a little bit of everything. They've run quarters this year. They've run a lot of man coverage. They they're one of the blitz happiest teams in the second half of the year after their bye week. it's the same stuff that people have commended the Ravens defense for doing this year. But the Ravens defense has, you know, Roquan Smith, <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, Brad Branch is nice, but it, they have a lot of like real, real all pro type players. 
So it just doesn't look the same. It doesn't work out always the same. So I, I can't talk out both sides of my mouth, go, oh, they shouldn't have stopped blitzing because that's kind of what they do. They're, they're going to do a little bit of everything and they're trying to act like it's a neutral game script. So I wasn't mad as far as scheme-wise or concept-wise. I will say that the scrambling happened with Purdy because I thought the Lions did a good job of packing the paint and when they were in zone and went really dropping back and making them try to work to a check down or work to one, two, to three. And I think Purdy was more going one, two, and then scrambling and then getting into that mode. So I will say that to me, that's a win. <laughs> if you're making Purdy throw as opposed to getting the ball in IU Kittle or Debo when he's healthy or CMC and when those guys turn a five-year game to 40, like making Purdy work for eight yards and getting a hit on him or get at 10 yards. I don't know. I wasn't mad about that. And I think a lot of that was because they packed the paint as far as their, when they did run zone coverages. So, and when they did rent, bring the blitz stuff, that's how you have to create a turnover against the 49ers. You have to, if you just don't, they're going to get you. So I think blitzing can once in a while make pretty, make his head pop like the Ravens did a couple of weeks ago, but you know, you're going to get gashed. Like that's, it's just, that's what you have to live with. Sometimes when you do bring the blitz, sometimes they're going to catch you. And sometimes, especially a good offense like the Niners. Yeah. And on that point, a lot of people talk about the Kindle Vildor play where the ball bounces off his face mask and Brandon Ayuk, who amazing player, made a freak catch. But they also had the play where it went off Cam Sutton's hands. Yeah. So there's at least three drop picks. I mean, yeah. I, it, at least two. They they caught the one of the Rodriguez. Yeah, the one to Rodriguez. And then yeah. the other two got dropped. And like you can just as easily point to that stuff as the fourth down stuff and say if, if you catch one of those one of them. That's it. It's a totally different game. I, I think what's frustrating for me, or if I were a Lions fan, is that the mistakes happen on staple plays. Like the fourth down missed Reynolds was like a curl route. I've seen them complete Jerry Jer- Goff to Reynolds 400 times. Like It's like a play they run a million times. And he came out of the curl a little weird and he threw and Goff threw it behind where the route was a little loose. And I think Goff thought he was going to come tight on it. And that happens on curl routes. But the thing is, Curl route's a day one route. Everyone's running curl routes. And that's what's kind of, oh, you miss on that. And then the fumble to Gibbs, and I keep bringing this up, is just trap on trap plays can be a little weird, wonky, how the numbering and the phrase is, like how you say it in the huddle. And it's kind of one of those, like the running back and the quarterback almost have to think backwards. Like the blocking will say, like, I'm just making up a term here, but 16 trap. But the 16 is telling the line to go to the right, but the quarterback and the running back have to do reverse footwork. And I think that's what happened. Gibbs heard 16 trap going to the right, even numbers are to the right. And he, and then he was like, oh, okay. Or vice versa, 17 trap. And so he's like, all right, my footwork's to the left. But it said his footwork should have been to the right. And just that little, and again, that's interesting. I know it's, there's, I, I didn't even think about that. I've never trap and counter can do that. Counter is another one that could do that. Cause it's a weak side play. Like it's just the footwork from the quarterback and the running back are opposite of what the number is. So it, it's, it takes a minute to, if you do zone or duo, it's to the play call. If I do 14 zone, you know, 18 outside zone, even numbers to the right, I'm handing off. I don't have to worry about my steps being opposite. So those other plays change up the steps. So I think that's what happened. But again, why, why this, if this was week two, I'd be like, ah, rookie running back, you know, he just got messed up or preseason. This happens to happen <laughs> at a pivotal moment in the conference championship week. And it's just one of those moments where it's like, ah. Oh, it's like it happens in football, but it just seemed to happen to the Lions at the worst time. I know I'm not helping right now because, but as a fan of some teams that have been cursed, it's kind of, I, I can empathize with this. It's like, why now? Why now? Why not week one? Why, why did this happen now? But that's, that's just how the game went. Yeah. Very, very 
unfortunate series of events. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, the it's first okay. half was great. <laughs> the first half was great, yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot of miscommunications, yeah. a lot of drop passes. They moved Goff off his spot a little bit as well and, and he made a couple poor throws and it all adds up, man. Like it does. We, this is the NFL, it's a conference championship game. The games are usually gonna be pretty close. You can always point to any one or two things and and say if you flip the result, the mm-hmm. they would have won the game. And I think the fourth down stuff is the is the thing that sticks out the most, especially because it's such a it's easy to such say. a yeah it's, yeah it's easy and it, it's a hot topic issue yeah. and it's cool and in vogue to <laughs> talk about the fourth down stuff. But I heard is a Christmas movie. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like all oh, it's the same arguments. No one has any ideas, new thoughts on it. That's all it is. People just want to retweet the tweet they had from 2019 when this first became a subject, and then they just retweet the same numbers. No one has a new idea or thought on it. <laughs> it's just, it's the funniest thing to me. It's just like, really? We're still doing this? Oh my God. <laughs> like, we're going to just keep doing this, huh? All right, cool. Every every year, I guess this is just going to be an argument. When, some, when one failed fourth down happens in the fourth quarter, it's just going to happen. Okay, so let's let's look forward a little bit for the Lions. I think, I think there is a general tendency among fan bases to say like we'll be back and while i am optimistic about the lions ability to be a winning football team the next couple years which is great because the lions usually are not that right if you're if you're an eagles fan you know you're not very happy with that but i think lions fans can be pretty happy with that but what's your general outlook on this team the next two three years it, it it's pretty optimistic. Yeah, I'll get to the quarterback in a second. I I, I will just do it right now. I think Goff. I think we all know his ceiling, but I think you know he's still a above average to good starter, which is like some stuff. <laughs> There's 12 teams, 14 teams that would kill for that, but he does have a ceiling. Like you mentioned, he got wa- worked off the spot, and sometimes that's going to happen with him. He'll have some sprays when he has to maybe create or get off script or anything like that. But we kind of know what Goff is. He can spin it when he's in rhythm. And when the surroundings are pretty good, like they were this year, he can really spin it. But after that, they got a lot of young talent. That's what happens when you nail a draft. It's also now you got all these, you know, I hate using this term, but cost-controlled players, but they they have them. So I think there's young talent. They have cap space. They have draft capital. They have means to fill in some other spots that they need. I think they do need more pass rush help. I thought their run defense was actually fairly good this year, but also that comes to the linebackers playing downhill on everything, which also means they're terrible at play action. <laughs> so that's the trade-off. I thought Jack Campbell had more flashes. I think he's been become a meme player where a lot of people are kind of going like, oh, he got overdrafted and all this. He had more flashes in the back half of the year, and I want to see where he goes because the, there's no linebackers out there. I'll just be honest. There's no linebackers. The linebacker Draft. class this year is rough. I'd rather take a chance on a Jack Campbell than what everybody else is trotting out there at linebacker. And hopefully he can become something in year two and year three. And whatever. I think he can. I, I'm more optimistic about him than I think a lot of our peers are. So that that's me. I'm I'm peers. Uh, I know. I know. I, I've been I've been critical of Campbell. Don't get me wrong. He sucked in the first half of the year. <laughs> he, he, was, he was rough in the first half of the yeah. year. I, I think for me... The concern with Campbell is the fluidity. Like sideline to sideline looks awesome. Yeah. Very quick, especially for being as big as he is. But I don't know, man. I, I'm just a sucker for linebackers that bend around and flip around real quick, the robot a dig or whatever. Like my not my, everybody can be Fred Warner, but Right. I think he's thinking too much. 
I think he's, they asked him to do a lot and like he got over, overfilled in the first half of the year, because I agree with you. Cause when he's running, when he pulls the trigger, it's like, whoo, but there's a lot of times, especially play action or something where emotion, the 49ers got him once they threw a bubble to Debo. Yep. And, I, th- I and, think that was like the first drive out of the half. They, they had like, caught. they had, yeah, it was uh, in the weak yep. side and they, they motioned him across fast. Yeah, it was yeah. not a great design, weird Kyle Shanahan. But he puts Campbell in a bind there, and you can see Campbell's head just go. <laughs> it's like and that's why they ran that play, or ran it was a you know a bubble zone bubble. But they put him in a bind because they're just put they want him to play slow. He has a lot of gifts, but he doesn't use them all the time because he thinks. And that's why I want to see him with more reps. And I just think just because of the lack of supply of linebacker, him and a guy like Quay Walker for the Packers. These guys that maybe are a hair slow to begin with, I'm fine with taking because, again, there's only a handful of linebackers that could are true three-down, two-way linebackers or have the potential to be. I mean, there's only like four or five, six of those guys in the league right now, so why not take a chance? We, t- we talk about this with tight ends sometimes or other positions. I don't know. Not a lot of linebackers right now, so I'm kind of fine with that. But All right, so I'm off to Jack Campbell. But the, also, I think where they're at with DB-wise, I, I love Brian Branch. But I also think, what's the name, the safety, Mo, Mo Flau, I thought he came along in the second half of the year as a blitzer. I think he's a versatile player that can be a tight end eraser too, which is huge. I also think that where they're at in the draft, there's a lot of corners where they're at in the draft. Like there, there's a, it's a, ta- it's a corner heavy draft. So where they're picking in the twenties and the late and the thirties that they can find a guy there, which I think could really give them a boost. And I just think they have means to do things. I think the offensive line, of course, they have to figure things out what to do with Jonah Jackson all those things, Penny Sewell's coming down the pipe. Okay, how how many more years can we get out Rag now? I don't know. Just, he's going to be hurt. That's just did, what he did is. You see what he his, is. Did you see the comments he made? And oh, no. uh, and one of, so somebody asked him about what it would take for him to get right and feeling good. And he kind of just gave a response. And he was like, man, like, I don't know, but I, I need to take some time and, and get healthy because it, it, he started talking about like the toll it takes on you and what he needs to do to like, be the best husband and, and the best uh, father and when the guy starts uh, talking like that you you think maybe his his ears are numbered and like he's an amazing player like unbelievable. It, it's it's not a question of ability but the injuries have been very hard on him and it's been since day one i mean that was his kind of mo coming into the league was that he's going to have injury stuff i think he just had kind of that thing no but yeah as soon as they start kind of mentioning that that's like okay so again so if you get one year out of him hopefully and then I think receiver-wise, Jameson Williams, they asked him to do more real stuff, which I liked. And again, I think that comes down to how the Lions want to develop their guys. They didn't just go, hey, you're running nothing but go balls and posts. They said, nope, we're making you block. We're making you run dig routes. We're making you run like real routes, like a real route tree because we're developing you. So, okay. He is not, I shoot for a couple of weeks. I was like, oh man, he might be a bust. But he came along too. Amon Ross A. Brown is great in his role. Laporte is great in his role as well. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. I don't know. I think they're situated as well as any other team. (laughs) I really do. They have a lot more answers and means to find answers than a lot of teams that maybe lose and maybe have this type of run that I think other teams do. So overall, I feel pretty glass half full about where the lines are at right now. Yeah, I guess I guess it's the cynic in me (laughs) because I I think they have like fifty six million in cap space this offseason, but like the golf extension that is is coming up. As you said, you've got Sewell coming down the pipe. Lamont Ross St. Brown um, is yep. is coming down the pipe. You're you're probably going to sign some guys in free agency this off season. So 
part of me is like skeptical Lions fan. I've been hurt a million times. Right. The the other part is it's it can be difficult to retain those really good young cores. Like T. Higgins might not play for the Bengals. Right. Like right. and that's a really good player. And it's it's tough. But I I I think something we haven't even touched on yet is they kept Ben Johnson, which is huge because gigantic brain drain is a big problem. I think maybe even more than the the players, you you've gotta be you you probably have confidence at this point in Alliance Brain Trust. Brett Holmes, Dan Campbell getting Ben Johnson back is big. So that's that's as big of a part of it as anything, I think. And and that's what they're preaching. Like they they want continuity. So you know everyone just got has to remember Dan Campbell's a Sean Payton guy. I mean, there is like, there's so much that uh, there's other things ever. There's so much that he wants to do, like how New Orleans did it. And no one left New Orleans. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. It was the same guys, the same coaches, everything. Ask our friend Seth Galena how's that, how, how that went with Pete Carmichael still being calling plays last year. But, you know, I don't think Ben Johnson's going to reach that point in 2040. But I, I do think that when I, you look at this team, that's what they want to do. They want to develop. They want to invest in the lines. They want to just do it in a certain way. I, I've compared this Lions offense, at least to the 2006 Saints, which actually like became more literal than I thought. They even lost in the same NFC Championship game, the same exact type of thing. But I, I do think that they're situated way better because this is what they want to do. They don't want to microwave anything, which I like. And again, there is a limitations to the quarterback. You have to be honest about that. But they have way more means to do things than I think when you look at other teams. I get your cynicism because it's it's NFL, not for long. And I'm not saying, oh, they're going to make the final four next year again. But as far as making the playoffs again, yeah, I, I think they're set up as well as anybody. So uh, yeah. And can they make a run? Of course. You never know. So, but it's just that, yeah, it's NFL, not for long, but I, I do like their situation at least. All right. Any more thoughts on the Lions before we move on to the Ravens? No. Run game's awesome, man. I'm really glad Hank Frankly, Hank Fraley is staying too. They're they're running. I, I love the long truck game so much. It's so sweet. So I'm glad I get to see that for one more year at least. Very fun offense to watch. Okay, so Ravens. Lamar comes up short. He does. I think he played fine. There were some criticisms you can make. I think you can't make the throw to likely in in triple coverage. I know you're yeah, I know you're ETI was- fishing, but and and you're kind of getting down to desperate times, call for desperate measures, but. That's a throw you can't make. He had a, another bad throw. Was it to was it to Flowers on the the deep over route where it he he threw it behind late in the down and it yeah off the bull in his hands. Yeah. Outside of that, I I think those were those were two mistakes. One one cost them quite a bit, and the other ended up you you lived to see another down. But he could maybe have scrambled a couple more times. Yep. And and. I think especially in the first half, you saw more of it in the second half. He missed some stuff downfield outside the numbers. I, again, not an amazing performance from him, but I, I think he was fine. What, what did, do, you, do you have a different takeaway or on Lamar? Or? No, no, I thought he was pressing, just like what you're saying. I thought he pressed a couple times and was trying to make a big play. I thought there was a couple times he could have taken a check down, but Lamar uses his legs as the check down as opposed to throwing the check down. So it's kind of, you don't want to talk out both sides of your mouth with Lamar. It's sometimes the same thing with Josh Allen. It's like, you want him to be that. Like, you don't want to also just go, oh, check it down on that one. Yeah, you're going like, to live by the sword, down the sword. You have to. And so, yeah, there's going to be some frustrating moments, but you take that to get the plays where he's catching a tip ball and creating a first down for himself. Like, you, you live with that. 
and there's a couple other scrambles where he creates a place. So I thought that was the main thing. I thought there was maybe twice he could have taken checkdowns that off just off the top of my head that I can remember in the first half. I thought this third quarter, uh, I know Todd Monkin and this game plan is being ragged on, but I watched this game this morning, reviewed it. I actually had didn't have as many qualms about the game plan as I thought. Yes, the stats afterwards don't look great. Oh, they only handed off the running backs eight times. But watching it, they were chucking it on them. Like they were they were cashing. <laughs> yeah, I think I I get what people are saying about the runs, yeah. but the the Chiefs are playing like a lot of cover too. Yep. They were taking away the underneath stuff, but there was stuff open downfield. All, all across um, the field. Yep. The I, I think a big problem was that the the offensive line just there were a lot of of plays left out on the field just because yeah. they, there was not enough time. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Jones getting pressure on the interior. And I, I think, I talked about this last week, but the Chiefs edge rushers are, those are some big, strong boys. Yes. They they get a lot of, of push yep. on the outside and stuff was coming open, but if you don't have time to throw it, it's it's tough. So I, I think if anything, the criticism I would make is maybe you're, you get a little too big for your britches given the pass protection, but I mean, X's and O's on a board, right? Things looked good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And some of it was Justice Hill got beaten protection, like. Oh, are, yep. but, but the hat's going on a hat, like it's drawn up well, and there's a guy coming open, but players have to play the game. Yep. The running back has to execute. The John Simpson, who's had a nice year at left guard, he has to not lose a couple times. Kevin Zeitler at right guard. I played with him at Wisconsin. He had a couple of run plays where he got beat. He got, got, his head head was in the wrong spot. That happens. You're going against a really good team. And when it's evenly matched like this, that's what it's going to look like. If you have one guy can't make the mistake, and if one guy makes sometimes, or the strip sack, Lamar's about to launch that through a shot, baby, and it'll probably be a big play. It, it, was, it was coming open. And protection holds up for 2.8 seconds, but not 2.9 seconds. That's the game. <laughs> and that's a strip sack with a short field to Patrick Mahomes. Okay. That that's not what you want to get situated in, in a tight game. That's two point spread. Or or no, it ended up being a f- shoot, a five point spread. Thank you everybody for doing that. That was great. That was an amazing bet. That was so much fun. Chiefs plus five. It was awesome. But watching it, it was just one guy missing there. Or Lamar looking to scramble, so hitting the check down, or Lamar reading one side, which I understood why he read that side, that gets clammed up or doesn't come open, and then he has to get into creation mode, or a guy loses before he can get to number two. I know. It was just, they played a good team. They played a top five defense, top six defense. It happens. Spags. Like like you said, with like picking the side, Spags also did a really good job of post-snap rotations. So much. And and there was a lot of coverage, too, which is a pain. Yeah, and and there was one play where Lamar thought he was going to have like the flat wide open in, in the you know, on, a, on, a, on a, yep. On a, on a cover on what looked like it was going to be cover three and it ends up being cover two. And he has to, and that's totally to different read. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally different. Yep. Yep. And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, the Spags guy is pretty good. Huh? It's like, yeah. it's like we're in the playoffs too. Spags in the playoffs. I, I just watched this. It's, for me, and watch a lot of Chiefs defense and my old job, like breaking down defenses and coverages and all that stuff, and just even watching, Spags is still a pain. Like I'm watching this stuff, and even as a, like knowing this stuff, I'm looking, I'm like, blitz. That's a blitz. That's definitely a blitz. That's, oh, shit. It's cover two. All right. All right. Next one. Next one. Okay. Okay. Man. Yeah. That's me. Oh, it's cover two again. God dang it. But that's me getting to review the play, take my time. I'm sitting in my chair with my coffee. Now imagine if you have two and a half seconds at quarterback trying to find the answer. Yep. That's what he does. And then some of those times he blitzes. And some of those times he doesn't. Sometimes he drops eight. 
And that's what he does. And, and all the not, plays you have very large human beings trying to kill you. Right. With Chris Jones bear running at you or George Carl office or somebody like that, or a crazy blitz that you've never practiced against. And that's what it is. They make it a guessing game. And this is kind of what I was talking about with the Lions defense, where it's like, I, I like that you're trying to make it a guessing game. You just don't have the guys. And that's what Spags has kind of had to live in the last few years when it, I would say not last year, because second half of the year, there was, was a good defense. Kind of people realize that. But the two years before that, his first couple of years, this is kind of what he had to do. He just changed up the picture on the quarterbacks, trying to make something bad happen to them. But you would get gashed. Now they just don't get gashed. They tackle really well. They're one of the best tackling teams. They limit explosive plays. I, I looked up the stat. It was like the Chiefs had like the fifth highest success or fifth lowest success rate, I should say, in like defending QB runs. But they didn't let an explosive run the entire year going into the postseason. So it was like, you know, a lot of eight yard gains, but they would tackle. And they're going to make you be methodical on them. And, but they also can make it chaotic on you. It's just a really hard defense. So I think coming away from it, it's like, yeah, it's two good teams going at it. You make a couple of mistakes, you don't hit those shots. That's what it's going to look like. Yeah. And that's to say nothing of the flowers fumble and- at the one. Yes. I know. It's same thing. Yep. Game of inches. <laughs> yep. You can, you can pick up plays and. That's the result, and it's a totally different game. It's not week four. That's why I keep trying to say to people, it's like, it's not week four when it's like, oh, okay, whatever. It's the playoffs. Like, these guys are, every play is so dialed in. One little mistake, one little opportunity that you missed. It's like, that can, it's a house of cards. You want to talk about the Ravens defense? Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was outside of like the first 15 plays on offense for the Chiefs. They were, they were doing nothing, man. Nothing. No, they, they fooled. At least three times, completely fooled the uh, Chiefs' pass protection, which is, I mean, straight up fooled it, like gamed it up, which is saying something because Andy Hack, the offensive line coach for the Chiefs, is pretty good. And Creed Humphrey's pretty good. And Mahomes is good. Mahomes handles protections now, too. Man, they got late rotation stuff. They just, that's the number one thing that McDonald did. People are talking about coverage, stuff like that. He understands protection rules as well as anybody, probably one of the, as well as Spags. As far as just like, okay, they're going to call this. So then we switch this around the snap and that mess that now the running backs on a defense alignment, or now we have the center and the running back going to the same guy, or one guy just comes scot-free. And that to me just shows understanding of a ball, but oh man, it's, I know McDonald's probably heading to Seattle, but man, that, that defense this year was just really fun to watch because it had that hive mind and that funkiness. That's a lot of fun. I was surprised by how much interior pressure. They said mm. in that game because I I expect I know I know Alec Reddy was in it left guard but mm-hmm. you know coming into the week like Creed Humphrey's really good Trey yep. Smith's pretty freaking good and they they didn't shy away from trying to lead right into it on those guys yeah they and they even caught Creed once with the with one which is saying something so that's that's how you know that's the good stuff when you you're catching the smart center <laughs> going the wrong way that's that's how you know you're. Mike Golick Jr. actually had the, he tweeted it out, beat me to it, but they like shifted the, they showed a mug look, but then right, so it's a head bob because they, the Chiefs go old school center looks between, between his legs as opposed to the guard looking back at the quarterback. So when he had his head looking at Mahomes, Creed Humphrey did, they had the linebacker and the nose tackle over him on one way. He makes the point, puts his head between, and then they flip it and they switched it. And so the running back, you know, it doesn't change for him. I'm still on Patrick Queen, I believe it was. But the center, his assignment, he's sliding to the left, Creed Humphrey. But now it's truly his assignment went to the right. And it's very hard to if you put your head between your legs and then shoot it up, snap the ball, and then look. 
It's like, that's, that's a very hard motion to see. And all of a sudden just go, oh shoot, I have to go to the right. Cause no one else is checking that for him. But again, that's an under, uh, that's just shows that the Ravens are like, okay, I understand the snap sequence for the offense. I understand the protection rules for the offense. That's gaming it up. Well, we talk about offense play callers doing that all the time going like, Ooh, that that's a cover two beater. That is a six man protection beater. That's what this defense did, but they do that every game. I mean, they had one last week where they, I guess the Texans, oh man, they just totally, totally gamed up the five man, the five mo look, I won't get into it, but they do this every single week. That's why he gets all the praises here. McDonald does. Yeah. So let's talk about McDonald. Like you alluded to probably going to Seattle, that defense is still extremely talented. Yeah. They have Lamar who's been dragging them, kicking and screaming the past couple of years through the, the Greg Roman tenure. Are the Ravens going to be back? It felt like this was their year to, you know, real make a chance. I think, of course, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot and be for the division. They have Lamar. They have plenty of young pieces and they have plenty of guys to really build around. You know, you got mentioned Linderbaum, even a guy like Zay Flowers, like the passive game's getting there. But it just seemed like the stars were aligned this year. They got through some of the injury stuff early in the season as opposed to late. You know, Mark Andrews came back. So some of that stuff was better than it ever has been. The offensive line was actually gelling together. The defense was the best unit this year or one of the best units and had an identity. It was like everything. This was a down, you know, the Bills defense fell apart because of injuries. The Burrow's not playing. The Chiefs offense had some struggles this year, even though they picked up in the last couple of weeks. This was their path in a loaded AFC with all these quarterbacks. This was a clear, as clear as a path as you can get. And they're hosting the game. So it's just a disappointing year. I don't think it's like, oh man, this is it. They're eight, nine next year. But you know, to have this type of number one DVOA in the last decade or wherever it was, it's like, I don't know. This is, this is a lot of stars aligning and they just got kind of missed out. Frustrating. Yeah. I like that you brought up the Burrow thing. It's like Burrow's not in the playoffs. Instead, you've got Kenny Pickett and, uh, and the Steelers. Mason Rudolph. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, or yeah, I guess it was Rudolph playing, right? Same thing. I tried to, yeah, same thing. I just, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did not pay very close attention to that game. You're okay. Um, You're okay. It was, there's nothing there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they beat the Bengals twice this year, right? Yes. Yeah. Beat yep. the Bengals twice. So it'll be a little more difficult next year, but I think talent wise, they've got everything they need to make another run at it. But losing McDonald hurts. Matt Abuike is a free agent, right? Yeah. He's a free agent. Losing him would suck. They might tag him, who knows, but they always do the cop pick stuff. So it's, yeah, I don't know how they'll view him. I always liked him. I didn't know he'd be a freaking all pro. <laughs> I thought maybe he'd be like a fun little eight sack guy, you know, <laughs> he's he was fantastic this year. Yeah. It's, it's funny that for like the past, at least five years, Texas A&M has just been stacking like five-star defensive linemen yeah. and just these freaks coming out of high school and they do nothing at A&M and they all come out as like developmental guys and still developmental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I think with Lamar, you feel pretty good, but this like Marlon Humphrey said it like this, this was their year. Yeah. You hold, you hold Mahomes to 17. Like, like well, what more, more can you do? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Gotta have it. I, I know. It, again, you had the quarterback, you have some pieces. It's as again, like I was saying with the lines, it's like you're situated as well as anyone. You should be happy about that. But it's just like it's so hard. It's so hard. And the fact that you had it like this is that's what makes it frustrating. It's like, oh. you know, now no matter what, even if you have another run, it's like 
how these kind of how everything was lining up, it's kind of just not going to feel the same way. Like look, look across the division at the Bengals. Yeah, like they made the Super Bowl and things have been harder. Very hard. People got to get just, paid. We're just we're just pouring cold water on on people. Every, this everybody. podcast, the people come every. here for shelter and pessimist pod on every single guy, or every single team. It's like, yeah, that could happen, or this could happen. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, you, you know better than I do. It's it's an extremely tough business. It's tough. It's very tough. That's why you feel for them because the the empty pit of that that loss when you're so close is is worse than not make than to make it. You know, it's almost like you're like, oh, I wish I didn't make the playoffs at all because not really because but when it comes down those those late losses are just. It's they they stick with you every single moment. We're talking about some of these plays. We talked about the Lions game. We're like, oh, they, they missed this one, this one, this one. I can imagine the people in the building for that Ravens game. It's like just one step here, one inch here, one thing here. Oh, it just it sticks with you for the rest of your life. And all all these guys are competitors, right? So like they're Psychos. like the the one or two plays that they didn't make. It's is brutal. And everyone's like, oh, you just get over it. You you got a next play. It's like yeah, <laughs> you do next play. Got to think about the next play, but. <laughs> I remember some of those reporter asked Panay Sewell they they were sort of buttering it up and being like you know what does it mean to you that this Lions team has done something that no Lions team in the past 30 years has done and he's like that shit don't matter right it's just tough it is it is oh this shit mattered though <laughs> this pod did this is a good episode do you have any other thoughts before no I no, nothing really. I don't even know who I like for like next year either. I'm mean, gonna have to take a deep breath after the season this year. It always felt like this year would be a tumultuous year. I felt like going in, I thought there was a lot of paths that this season could take. I, I my preseason pick was the my preseason MVP MVP picks were Josh Allen Lamar, and I, I figured the Bills and the Ravens were set up just for the reasons that we kind of talked about. It felt like there's just gonna be. I didn't know Joe Burrow would get hurt, but uh, you know. Chiefs might have just like a little setback. It's hard to sustain and all that. But then it's just crazy that Chiefs are just back in the Super Bowl again. 49ers were my preseason AFC pick. So at least I got halfway there. And I had Chiefs going to the AFC Championship, but not making it. So I all offseason, I beat the drum of I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to bet against Patrick Smart. Mahomes. And then I watched the receivers play this year. And the past couple of weeks on this podcast, I, I've been being like Mahomes kind of has to be a god. Carry, yeah, he has to carry <laughs> the, the team. This week it it's gonna be hard and there he is. They're they do you remember do you remember? Oh yeah, he's the best I've ever seen. Oh yeah, this is what he does. <laughs> this is they still have Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I was the same way. The whole year. I just kept going, Don't worry, they'll figure it out. Look at the defense, they'll figure it out. And then you just see another Nicole Hardman handoff or Kadarius Tony Miskio, and it's it's hard to keep the faith, but when you have Patrick Mahomes, I'm sure in Kansas City, it's easy to keep the faith no matter what. Do you think Kelsey is done after this year? Personally, I think he, I think he is. How how middle of the season was going, Even I'm not even talking about the Taylor Swift stuff, just how he was on field. He just seemed so angry and just seemed so kind of like, huh. Like, even when he got tackled, you could see, you know, he's a big dude, so guys are, they gun for his legs when you're a big tight end. He's what, 35, 36? Yeah, he's older than me, yeah. Yeah, he's been... He's been taking those hits for, I mean, Deontay Lee said you can only do so many years of people slamming into your lower half and he just Pat. doesn't have the, he just doesn't have the elusiveness anymore. And I haven't said that. He looked like a freak again last right. week. Yeah, I know. So it's like, maybe he just saved himself. He could just turn it up in the playoffs. But I, even with his brother, 
I think the Taylor Swift stuff, I, I, you know, I think that has maybe led to him going like, Hey, there is a path for me. A lot of these guys need a, a path out. If that makes sense, an off ramp, they need something that makes sense for them. Some of them have families already. And like, it's like, Oh, easily. Like we just talked about with Ragnow, but some of these guys, it's like, if they're a single guy, like Travis Kelsey for his whole life going like, well, I just keep playing. This is my life. But sometimes they need something to kind of nudge them to go like, oh, there's something else out there outside of just going to the facility every day. So I don't know. Sometimes they need that door opened for them to realize that it's even there. And that that's part of the reason I think that that he wants to go. Not going like, oh, Taylor Swift's going like, oh, it wants them to retire. I'm just saying that maybe Travis Kelsey's going, oh, there is something for me out there outside of this football life. And like he's, again, I don't know his exact age, but he's like 35, 36. He's been doing this for half his life. Yes. Yes. Yes, he has been. He has gone to training camp for the last eighteen years, college or NFL training camps for eighteen years, and participating. I'm not not doing what I did. Did it for three years, four years, and then coaching and standing there. You know, actually participating in these. <laughs> yeah, especially in about the off ramp. Like if they win this year, right? Like you have your, your brother just retired. You're you're already a Hall of Famer. That's a bow. You're That's dating, nice. yeah. You're dating Taylor nice. Swift. Like you, you'll be go start a family or something, man. Yeah, it's a nice way to wrap up your career, and and you got those pictures and images for the rest of the rest of your life. You know, if that's if that is how it ends up. So uh, that's why. Oh, the path, the off ramp has been built nicely, I think. But it's even like Jason Kelsey last year. It's like I felt like that was his last year, and then they lost, and then the Super Bowl, and you could tell he's like, well, you know, I don't want to go out like that. And then this series finally, like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Enough of this. So I did my due diligence. <laughs> I did it. I did all I could. I I helped out the Eagles organization as much as I could. Sorry, guys. <laughs> all right, I'm going to ask you one last question before we get out of here. Do you remember Boise State running back Ian Johnson? Yeah, the guy that proposed after after the Fiesta Bowl. Yes. What, what you odds? At? Yeah. What what odds would you put Kelsey proposing to Taylor Swift Super Bowl? Lower than I would originally think. Like I would say like plus two hundred. Which isn't that crazy. So it's what one to two, two two to one, something like that. Not yeah, a... two to one. Yeah, two to one. Uh, yeah, two to one. Which I don't think is that crazy. I don't know. I didn't think about this until just like the last two minutes. I think someone it's, it's there are odds out there already. Oh, are there really? Yeah. Well, the first bets out there. I, I guess that shouldn't surprise. Me. There's odds. Yeah. I. But it's more reasonable than I would think. You know, they. You know, Travis knows what he's doing. So I think those that would be very memorable, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. That would be a good way to segue into that post post retirement career. <laughs> All right, Nate, thank you so much for your time. Uh, for those who don't know already, tell us where we can find you. First and foremost, Twitter, Nate underscore Tice. Tweet a lot of ramblings, random stuff, whatever. Words, football. Words. Football. Yeah, words, 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 images, gifts, wrestling, board games, all that stuff. You can listen to me speaking words, words, words. Uh, the Athletic Football Show, Robert Mace. We'll have a post Super Bowl show, of course, as always, but hear that. And then you can read my word, word, word words, words, words at Yahoo, Yahoo Sports. Article this week, I think I'm just doing a mock draft this week. Oh, no, I'm doing a big board. I'm doing a top 40. So I'm doing uh, like, I'm doing like, but they just wanted me to squeeze in a top 10 mock, of course, because just get that in there. But then it's, and then, yeah, I'm doing my first kind of official big board. So that'll be fun, which I'm like. Got to get going on. <laughs> I'm like 10 picks in or 10 guys in. I, I got it all set up on my Excel sheet, but I need to actually like kind of like, all right, start putting some words to these guys. So you can look further to that up this week. All right. Well, I won't keep you from doing that any longer. For Nate Tice, I'm Bryce Rossler. Thank you for listening to the SIS Off the Charts Football Podcast.